0: Am I on? Yeah, I'll give I'll give one of the chocolate bars that we're giving away on St Patrick's Day to the person that can come afterwards and list all of those announcements without any help. Alright, so um, I know it's but yeah, no, a lot of exciting stuff coming up, which is which is great. So plenty of opportunity to, to get involved, and you'll hear more information about um, Easter explosions and so on going forward. So look, you're very welcome. I know we're continuing on our series in Nehemiah, as you can see building for the future. So if this, I know there's maybe one or two new faces who, um, you're very welcome, just dropping in. And I want to, over the past four weeks, we've been looking at the the story and the life of Nehemiah and what God has been doing in and through. And really looking at what does it look like to be called by God, but also to do something very significant for him. And looking through how, you know, with that, there's there's needs for provisions, there's need for um, overcoming opposition and, and all sorts of things. But if you're just dropping in uh, to the story, Nehemiah was an ordinary guy. He actually had a job that you know, not many people would want to do. He was a cupbearer um, to the king. And really, Nehemiah, we see, is a normal guy who responds to you know, hearing that his homeland is in shambles. And really what we mean by that is there was no worship there was, people were scattered, uh, you know, they, they just come out of exile, but they were discouraged and they were disgruntled, and, and there really wasn't a gathering of people um, happening in that region the way it used to be, and um, in fact, Gloria read about how, um, sort of a bull, you know, the building of the temple, and you can begin to look back on that story, but really what, the, the glory days were not really um, the current, current status quo for Nehemiah, and what we then begin to see is he, he he travels a thousand miles. After hearing, getting the holy burden, he travels a thousand miles with a clear plan, but really with God's help to rebuild the walls. And really, what we, we looked at last week, again, you can go find on, uh, on our podcast, is how Nehemiah had to go from building a wall to building people. You know, he, he built them through lifting them up, he built them through, you know, bringing them closer to God and, and re, trying to re inspire worship, really re inspire what, um, what the people of God were called to do. And it's really then from that place we looked at how God done the impossible through this group of people. And actually it says that the wall was finished in just 52 days. Now these walls were you know, meter by meters. They were massive blocks you know, of, of stone that they didn't have the JCB diggers. You know, They were you know, huge in size and, and huge in stature, you know, various sizes. And what you see is you know, what happened was nothing short of the miraculous, okay? But how many know that the greater the work that God calls you to do actually reflects the greater the work that he wants to do in you, okay? And that's really what we see is the, the book of Nehemiah isn't just about building walls, but really it's about the mimic in the heart, the work that God wants to do in the heart, okay? See, the book is more than, like I said, just building walls, but really about gathering people back to God. And that's really what we've been looking at is making space at the table, okay? And I mean, it's come up a number of times today, but if you want to jump in Nehemiah 7 um, in your Bibles, you can, you can look at it there, okay, and you'll see um, just a bit of context, all right, so it says that verse 1 to 4, it says, when the, walls, uh, when the walls were built and he had hung the doors, and when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than many. And I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And when I st- while standing guard, let them shut and bar-, and bar the doors and appoint guards from among them to inhabit of Jerusalem. <clears throat> One of his watch stations in front of another of his house. Now listen to this, it says, the city was large and spacious and the people in it were few. In fact, the houses were not even rebuilt. And what we see is the wall had been rebuilt, but the space was too big. You see, those who had done the work, it, they weren't big enough to occupy it. You see, with God, they'd done what was impossible, but yet there was empty space left over. And you have to ask why, because the people were building for something bigger than themselves. How many of you know, as a church, we're always building something bigger than ourselves? In fact, the people who God had called at this time, Nehemiah and his people, they were building for the future. Sounds familiar, right? You see, like we said, the people were scattered in the homeland. But what Nehemiah and the people were doing was much more than just building something that people could see and be in awe of. But they were, they were making space for those who were scattered to come back to God, right? Now, at this point in the story, it could have been very easy for Nehemiah and the people to think, Do you know what, the space is too big. We don't need it. Let's just occupy, you know, the West Wing, if you like. It doesn't really fit. It's too, too much space. Let's just stop here and not go any further in the story. But actually, that's not what we begin to see happen, all right? I don't know about you, but I remember when I was uh, finishing P7 going in the first year, and we always get that change of uniform. I know some of you are wearing blazers today, but when I moved from P7, we didn't wear any blazers at P7. We weren't at a prep school but uh, we went in, in the secondary school, and I was fitted with this blazer. And uh, if anybody's ever seen first years going about these days, you know, they seem to be just getting smaller and smaller. But you can see that, you know, you can just about see their fingers because the blazer's that big. You know, it's down to just near enough their knees, right? And it's that big that they could almost, you know, fit all sorts of things underneath. it were layers upon layer. That was actually me, believe it or not, at one time. It was actually probably the majority of you at one point. But the thing is, we get a blazer because it has to do us a couple of years. I mean, the things cost a fortune, right? I mean, uniforms do cost a fortune these days. But we had had to get a couple of years out of it. In fact, some of you I know, I remember chatting to my dad about this. He, back in the day when you got your your new pair of shoes, he would have got shoes that were too big and would have stuffed a pair of socks in. You know, some of you are nodding because you had to get a few years out of them, right? And what happens is the sizing, although it might have looked funny at the time, but we were destined to grow into them, right? And it's like the blazer that when you're stepping into what God has called you to do, sometimes you feel out of your depth. Sometimes you feel like it just doesn't quite fit. Anybody ever had that before where you feel like, oh, I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to carry this. But it's because he desires to grow you. And that was what we see with Nehemiah. In fact, it's what we see with us today is God has the desire to grow you. Now, we all don't like that because growth requires something. It requires us to step outside of what fits and what is comfortable. You see, logic says settle where you are. But faith says go where you've never been before. And that's really what I believe God is asking us to do. You see, when we are being obedient to God, we have to trust that he will grow us into our calling. Do you trust that God will grow you into what he's called you to do? Now, the irony is that when the blazer fits, when we're comfortable... Guess what God does? He gives you a bigger size. He takes that which you're comfortable in. He goes, you know what? I'm going to now give you a bigger size because what does he want you to do? Not just to make you uncomfortable, but he wants to grow you. He wants, he's destined us to grow into the bigger things. And what's really interesting is when God, God wants to use what he's called you to do, what he's asking of you to challenge the unbelief in those around you. In fact, Oftentimes, God wants to do, use the very thing that we do to challenge the unbelief in us. And in fact, Nehemiah 6.16, it says this, and when it happened, when all of our enemies heard the walls had been rebuilt and all the nations around saw these things, they were, says this, disheartened in their own eyes. In other words, their understanding. For they perceived that this work was done by God. What God is asking of you, Today, and there's many different people in this room here, God may be asking different things off, whereas as church, he's asking us with this building project. He wants to use a group of people to turn doubters into believers. How many know the miraculous work of God is actually the evangelism of God? There's many, many different ways to evangelize a community, but sometimes being obedient in what he's called and asked you to do is really what speaks most to a community. It's the work that raises God's profile. It's the work that begins to amaze people. In fact, I, I think I read this, uh, this week past, something that Bill Johnson said. It said, one of the signs of a renewed mind is that the impossible begins to look possible. We look back over the story of Nehemiah and what, what seemed to be impossible became possible in 52 days. Gloria and, and the guys got up and shared this morning about you know, mountains in our lives, Maybe you're here and there's, there's seemingly a mountain in your life. What is it through the power of God that what seems impossible may be made possible? Something you're holding on to, something you're struggling with, something you need breakthrough in. See, God's vision was more than just building walls. It was about gathering people. It's about bringing his people back to what they were created for. Their chief end of man to obey God and worship him. In fact, We have to believe that God still has that heart today. Do you know God still has a heart to gather the people of our community? That we aren't just it. That We aren't just the destined and stay here. That God wants to give us a church, a bigger blazer to wear. Are you willing to to allow God to take the blazer we have away? Our comforts, our friends that we, you know, are we cliques that we like. Anybody just like when you get settled in a wee group of people? We can get comfortable and then God all of a sudden goes, no, I'm going to bring this rough bunch of renegades in or I'm going to bring these people grip. And all of a sudden he expands where we are. You see, comfort will be the ultimate end of your calling. In Nehemiah 7, we see the heart of God. He says, then God put it in my heart to gather all the nobles, all the rulers and all of the people that they may come back and be registered. We see a call back. And what we see is, God actually wants to call back a variety of people. How many know this church shouldn't look like you? Now, hands up. Who wants this church to look like you? Now, if you're self-aware, you'd probably be like, actually, no, that would be the down, downfall. But we like to be with people that we know and understand, but really what we're called to be a community that are different. In fact, from the lifespan of Journey Down Patrick, it seems like we've always been described as a box of chocolates. You know, the first gump says, you know, You just don't know what you're going to get. And that's what's the flavor of a healthy, good church is that when you see a variety of people, that we look around people from all different walks of life who really probably wouldn't be doing life together if it wasn't for church. And what we begin to see at this part of the story is is the variety of people that God wants to seek to bring transformation to. How many of you know God doesn't want to just bring transformation to his church? He wants to bring transformation to every area of society that begins to look like heaven on earth. The nobles, the rulers, the people, it, it gives insight to the, you know, the modern day, what would that look like? It's the government officials. How many of you know God loves our government? Now, they can't agree on anything, we get that, and they need a lot of love. But the business people of our community, you know, the community rep- representatives, you know, ordinary people. And when Nehemiah was building the walls, when the people were setting about the work, they were building something that would be a hub of activity. You know, we talked about the sheep gate, the water gate, and, you know, the dung gate, right? That's, that was all included. It was ordinary, everyday life. But what was making this building thing uh, different than the ordinary was because at the center was the temple. At the center was, was God, was his presence. And that's what it looks like to have a community hub where people begin to reorientate their lives around Jesus. That's what we have to keep at the center, on, you know, when we've been talking about this, this building project, we've, we haven't really been using the word church that often. In fact, on the cards you'll see we, we use the phrase community hub. Now that was intentional, all right? Now some of you were going, are we changing the name Journey Community Church to Journey Hub? You know, and I like your thinking, but that's not what, what it's about. But a community hub, is, it's a multi-purpose space that provides or hosts a range of activities and services that are used by lots of different people. It's it's an environment that has a hub of activity. At the center, we want to keep Jesus, who is at the center of that hub of activity. But really, it's about the heart of creating a space where everyone has access to the power and love of God. That's what distinguishes what we want to do with the many different leisure centers and all sorts of community buildings around our space. His presence, it's, it's the key. It's the secret sauce. It's the honey that brings about a society-wide transformation. Well, you might be thinking, well, how is that possible? I don't know if anybody's been watching. I might lose some of you at this point, but I've um, been watching Jeremy Clarkson's farm. I, you know, some of you are like, do, watch it if you just want to, you know, I don't know. I'm not plugging or anything, but I've I've had more enjoyment watching Hannah watch it because, you know, it's just when... Now, he's got a lot better from his first series. <clears throat> in the second series, I think he's got a wee bit more serious in, in his approach, um, or at least he's trying to so that he, doesn't, that he can get his way around the council planners. But anyways, in, in one of the early episodes, he buys a uh, quarter of a million bees, okay? Because he, he has a, a, sec, he's a... He's a farm too big for any farm, you know? And uh, there's a part of it where he, he, he plants a lot of wildflower and he wants to see, obviously, the pollination. He wants to see the growth. And so he buys a quarter of a million bees, okay? And there's a, there's a part of the episode where he wears the bee suit and he gets stung and that's a whole, another laugh for another time. But what we begin to see is bees are very useful. Do you know bees are very important? Now, I know we're coming in the time of year where you're going, you're killing them, all right? You know, they're starting, you know, we're not there just yet, but... You know, for you, a bee is like, you no. Know, you maybe have a phobia of bees or maybe you're thinking, you know what, they're just a nuisance. But bees are very, very useful. See, bees come and go from a hive. They cross-pollinate in the area that, in fact, bees travel up to two or three miles beyond a hive. Now, I know that three may not be, you know, too far, but that's where they tend to, to congregate locally. And what they do is, as we know, you learn, of, you know, primary schools, they spread pollen from plant to plant. And then when they gather, they bring it back to the hive. How many know that's the same with church? That's the same in the kingdom of God, is that we're not just supposed to stay here. And I know I feel like I maybe, I was saying to Hannah, I feel like I preach this message all the time. So maybe you already know this and I'm preaching to the choir, right? But this is what the kingdom of God looks like. That we're supposed to, you know, when we get this new building and when we do the work and when we, we believe for God to, to do, to raise the finances for it, we, we are not just arriving there and going, right, open the big doors up, the glass windows, and go, right, let revival come. No, that's only the beginning of the work, as we see in the story of Nehemiah. That we will come and go from this hub. All, we are supposed to cross-pollinate in the different spheres of, of society that God has us in, whether it's your friends, your family, whether it's your job, education, leisure, you know, when you're running Jimmy's 10K. We're supposed to cross-pollinate and we pass on the values of the kingdom everywhere we go. And what we do then is we, we gather what, what God is doing and we come back. Nehemiah was calling a various people back. But it was all about worship. How many of you know our society, our community needs a radical reorientation to Jesus? It needs a move of the Holy Spirit that radically reorientates every area of society back to the center. That is what we're praying for on a Friday night. In fact, that's what we've signed up for. I don't want to just use the the jargon term of revival, but a fresh outpouring is not just about where you feel good, but it's where society or revival hits the heart, but also then it hits every sphere of society where we see a radical reorientation. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't have faith for that. But as a church, we can't settle for anything less. Because this is more than just about attending church, by the way. This is more about just building a building and then we go there and we get all nice and comfy, okay? But it's about us using that space for a society-wide reorientation back to God. And parts of your calling, parts if you're willing to listen, because I know some of you are like, I'm not listening to God because if he speaks, then I have to do something about it, right? And you laugh, but it's true. Parts of your calling is going to be part of that body to make that happen. The hub creates a space for people to come to know God, to to worship him in a variety of ways, in a variety of contexts. We can't limit. All of us in this room, by the way, will have a picture of how church should be. And in some ways, we'll overlap as the main thing being the main thing to come to worship Jesus, encounter his presence, to know his truth. But we see there's a variety of ways in which obviously the New Testament goes on to look at. In fact, this past Wednesday, Alone, we had. Now it doesn't happen every week, but we had the health trust in the kids room. They they're doing their weekly mental health workshop. I don't really know what they're really doing, but they're, they're using the space. In the in the, the talk room, we had Gloria and Robert doing their, their Syrian conversation classes, which you know you, some of you might not know happened. In here, we had uh, Johnny from New Life City Church with 30 crazy Belfast people. Cross community project, in here talking about the life of Saint Patrick, and I could hear him. He was he was preaching the gospel to them. We were seeing; it wasn't all at the same time. There was some overlap, but all of a sudden, I had this realization: is we actually this space isn't very good for having separate space. You know, I was chatting to Anne this morning about you know wanting to increase you know the counselling hub, and you, you can't really do it in this space anymore. And like I'm saying, that's not happening every day of the week. Although I would want it to be this be happening. But all of a sudden, we're at a place that, you know, if what we want to do, what God's called us to do, we need more separate space. And I know that building will do that. See, the vision of this campaign is just that in a variety of contexts, that God will be able to transform lives. Are we hungry enough to see God transform lives? Are you hungry for God to transform your own life? Because what about the, the business leaders in our town? You know, one of the things I would love to do is in this new space is to have a business breakfast. Now, I know I'll lose some of you at that point, but where we would get kingdom-minded leaders who are already in these spheres of society and would come and we would gather the people that we know, the, the local business people, the council, and we would begin to get them to invest kingdom values, how they lead their business into these leaders, that we would begin to see The the values and the presence of the kingdom invade those different spheres. That we have spaces of networking. Because how many of you know there is networking happening in this town? But you know what? They're not all imparting the values of the kingdom. I believe God's calling us to lead away. Now you may be thinking, well what part do I play? But you might be business minded here. You might be a good networker. Or in the long list of, of announcements we just had, we're, we're doing our Easter explosions. We're going to be doing it over in, in, in the cricket grounds in the, at the new building. Because we want to bring people to our... Now, we've had hundreds of people come in to, through these doors. And to be honest, I cannot wait to say goodbye to that God-forsaken lift. Because, although I did have a laugh bringing up you know, a couple of um, crazy renegades from Belfast, and you know, it's, that's a different story for another time. But we want to be able to create space where people come in a variety of contexts to our church. We, we, we've been good at that. But can I tell you something? I had a conversation with some, uh, a person during uh, Christmas uh, yeah the, the Christmas event down in subway, and they're like, "Oh, that event was great, but where's your church?" And we're like, "No, that is the church." And see, for you, you're going, "Well, i come to seek Jesus, and I know." This is all okay. But, and we are grateful. I mean, let's be honest. If we, we had this building, we were very grateful for it. But for some reason in our town, they just don't get a grid that this is a church. And I feel like we need to create a space that actually in some ways fits a small paradigm of people, yet will still push the bounds. I, I speak to you know, the likes of Janine here. Like I, I want to leave my job to come and do uh, taught scripts. I was just throwing it out there. Gar's like, what's going on here? where we want to see parent tots where we want to be engaging with our families and our communities, creating public spaces for our youth as well. But with this new building, we get banquet and equipment for over 600 people. Wow. Wait do we have to clean it and do all of it. But what we begin to do is we actually get to create a physical space for the table, where we do community meals, where everyone loves a good, a good night's crack and around food that we begin to invite people to the table that maybe they don't even realize begins to lead to a a faith in Jesus. This is what relational evangelism will look like. And church, you know, I could talk all day long about what we want to do. We want to see our church grow. We want to move to to evening services. Let's get our Sunday services to tea and and grow our church. But what we want to do is be able to to reach people at different stages. We want to begin to, to do different courses about you know, kingdom finance and, and you know, what does it look like to have healthy parenting and all sorts of things and conferences. We want to see that space used. We want to do a counseling hub. This is all the part that we we'll look get to play. But like Nehemiah, the goal of all of us is not that we get bogged down in the many different things that we can do, but really it's about at the heart, at the center of the matter, walking in, in the truth of the kingdom, not watering that down, walking in the power of the presence so that people may repent of the lifestyle that they live and reorientate it back to Jesus. My heart for this building is not about being busy, but it's that we keep a holiness, a purity at the center of this, that we would see people go, there's something different about you. Remember, we can create access and we will get creative and strategic at doing that. But we have to have a space where we come to worship God that's a thin place. I really believe the hub of his presence is what will transform this town. Because when Jesus pray, teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's not talking just about you know, the reality that will happen when new heaven and new earth comes that when we die or when he comes again. But really he's talking about an overlapping reality in the here and now. Do you know God wants to overlap your kingdom with his? But in secular society, we have to watch that this doesn't filter into the church. It's God wants to come in his power and his presence now. Like this morning, worship was anointed. In fact, even during communion, we begin to see his presence. We have to be a church that don't rush. Even though we're a busy church, we have to be sensitive to the presence. That overlapping that happens. What about in those different spheres of your life? That when your kids are doing your head when all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in his mercy and does an overlapping do we just stop and take note then or when we're in our jobs and we're, trying to, we're really trying our darnest to get our boss to believe in Jesus but to be honest they might just be the devil themselves but what about the overlapping in those moments that we'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and then we begin to see the kingdom in those spaces please know this building is not about us just going and having a holy huddle that's okay, and that's good, and that's important. But it's about getting, seeing that discipleship break out in our community. It's a prayer to see an overlapping of his kingdom with ours. So when we talk about a community hub, and we still have church, doing this in the same space is really just creating more practical opportunities for that overlapping. Because a lot of you are like, I, we need opportunities. With, I mean, there's abundance. But we want to begin to see practically. I really believe, we've been doing a lot of events to bless our community but we will start to do more ways of overtly evangelising our community because we've had to work a long time breaking down the barriers because they have no grid for who we are and to be honest society has moved far away from church being the centre but now I believe we have equity now I believe we have that relational equity that will make allow us to, to speak truth into people's lives we'll begin to look further on in the story of Nehemiah but that's what God's heart is it's the calling back to worship what would it look like we're seeing you know, even uh, we've seen a move of God in, um, you know, in the states we've talked about but even last weekend at a, at a crown Jesus event 75 young people gave their lives to Jesus 75 people that's more people in our church now I know that was cross pollination of different churches but can I tell you something God is on the business of moving you never will ever be ready for revival, I'm just saying right You'll never be ready for it. But we can put structures in place that we say, hey, God, we're available. But Now, he likes to come in whatever way and he just ruins our structures, right? But what we're doing is we, we're hungry to see an outpouring like never before. That's what this space is about. Because we can't just pray for revival in one instance and then hold on to the old wineskins that we, we've had. We have to step into the new wineskins for him to pour out the new wine. But I'm preaching to the choir about this. But like, I want to invite uh, Joshua Meyer back up. I do, our church, you you know, we punch way above our weight. People think we're twice the size with five times the budget that we have. Honestly, like I can't remember what event it was, but somebody went down to a charity shop asking because we needed to get some materials. I'm like, sure, you're loaded. Yeah, so Paddocks Day last year, we're coming up on that, right? Because we bless, beyond. we, we are a church to display radical, radical generosity, hands down. And what I want to do is as we, we head into just these guys are going to play. I do want to create a practical space where a lot of you have been coming, you've been asking, how do I invest in, how do I give to, to this project? And you know, a lot of you have been, been generous already and we're really thankful for it. I do want to create that space right now where if you feel led, um, if we grab, there's, there's baskets at the back, there's, there's uh, the pledge cards on there if you want to fill those in and that'll, that means then we can tally up and if you want to give a donation onto that, you, you can do that as well. But please know, there's obviously the... I do believe with, if 75, for £75,000, you know, that could be a mountain in our eyes. But can I tell you something? I just, we've just seen God do it before. We've seen... I mean, we're, Journey Down Patrick is, is here because of the miraculous. I mean, we survived COVID. But we got this building, and to be honest... The rent that was being asked, the work that needed to be done, I mean, you know, the vision of John and the elders, it was incredible. But it was, it was, it was around £75,000, it was probably a wee bit less, but it was around that figure. And I've said it before, someone came with a £50,000 cheque, Sharon says, I, I'm like, Sharon, can you prophesy that again, you know, for this time, that in the years that it would have it? We've seen God do nothing short. So this is not about getting a fancy way to, to get people to give their money. Because you're not given to our vision, you're given to God's. That's what people in Nehemiah do. We only want to be stewards of that. But we want to make space at the table for those who are not yet here. We want to make space for those in our community that are sitting on the fence. Do you know a lot of our community are sitting on the fence? They don't know which way to go. They don't know which way to believe. That every fad of, of belief systems and uh, of culture right now they just want to go that way but they're waiting for people that will rise to the occasion and go no there's a better way that we would lay the table in faith to go do you know what in this new building that it might feel like we're rattling about why don't we just put double and triple the chairs out and go by faith God would you pour your spirit we don't want to use one part but it might be like the blazer that when we go into that building, it goes, oh, it doesn't really fit right, right? That will happen. But can we call it our community, but we get our on our hands and knees. I want to see us soak the floors of that new building in tears to see God pour out a move of the Spirit. Would he come and do it again? Would he have mercy on our community? Would he move in a way that would convict people for them to be free? That's, it's not about... The nice decor and, and doing it with excellence it 's about we 're we're, we're praying we 're investing into a move of God so why don 't you stand? these guys will play and they 'll have they 'll play a song and honestly, do as you feel led and so Father, this morning, we come to you asking for what might be a mountain to become a molehill in your eyes but Father would you provide the £75,000 in full to see your kingdom come to see your will be done in this area as it is in heaven would we so with our finances and so with our prayers God to see revival come in this area God we pray for transformation we, tr- we pray that, God, as you build your church, that you would build lives back to you. Would there be surrender, would there be a move of surrender in this area of people coming back to you, God, that we would build for our future, we would build for our young people who have so much coming against them, God, that we would, we would lay, that our ceiling would come near our now that we would keep the table, we would keep... You're the one that provides the food, but Father, we would keep laying the table for them to come and have space, Father, whatever context that looks like. So Father, we give it to you in Jesus' name.